Sparkler podcast number 34. Today the topic is creating erotica or smut or porn, whatever less classy way that you want to frame it. I'm sure we use the more classy version for the website, but we all know why we're here. My name is Leanne. I am, as usual, the prose editor slash one of the scheduling editors at Sparkler. We have two very special guests with us today for this very special topic about smut. I'm going to start with the Sparkler creator you all know and love, Ono. Ono, why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Hi, everybody. My name is Ono, or Olivia, if you prefer. I worked with Sparkler along with Emily Compton to illustrate her book, Dusk and Kalevia, as well as, uh, I think, an illustration for an actual short erotic story. So it went a little bit further rating-wise than Dusk and Kalevia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've done some work uh, on the Starfighter Eclipse erotic video game and another small short erotic comic for Filthy Figments. Yeah, she goes by Onorobo or Onorobo. I don't know. I always roll that R, but you are super popular. I think a lot of people know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very sweet of you. Um, own a robo is fine. Like, oh no, a robot is sort of how I always think of it. Oh God, head. that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm MK or Moonclutch. I used to host the Slash Report podcast. Uh, I played ISA in Tokyo Demons and I've written a lot of fan fiction, most recently probably Teen Wolf and then like an original story. <laughs> she has, uh, I mean, Ono was here on the Dusk and Clevia podcast, which was excellent. Uh, MK was with us on the Yuri on Ice podcast that we recorded in Toronto probably about a year ago now because it just hit its first anniversary. Uh, you wow. probably know her very well from Slash Report. If you guys have not heard the podcast Slash Report, uh, it ended at what, three seasons, MK? Something like that. It was hard <laughs> to keep track. It's like, did... we're taking a break. That's a new season. Oh, are you doing another season? Or no? No, no. Just no. like generally when we would be like, yeah, we're out of time. So let's take a break and we'll just call that season one. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. It was all right. Yeah, if you haven't heard the, the Slash Report podcast, uh, I think the overlap between the Sparkler audience and the Slash Report audience is probably somewhere around 99%. Please go listen to it. Something like that, right? <laughs> yeah, MK and Prue followed uh, trends in fandom and had a lot of really great guests and it was about Slash and fandom in general and a lot of fan fiction. It was kind of focused mostly on fan fiction, so... Uh, and that's partially why we wanted you two on. Uh, it, because, like, Cherry Bomb, or, like, the Sparkler's Erotica imprint was kind of my baby. Um, and also, I've written a fair amount of it uh, for Tokyo Demons of Smut. But we really wanted somebody who came with a strong fandom background, which is Emily, despite going into original stuff as well, but you're sort of like a fandom expert. And then Ono uh, is an artist. And we really wanted kind of a perspective, a perspective from someone who does erotic art. She mentioned the short erotica that she did for with Emily Compton for Dusk and Clevia. There was a cherry bomb story called uh, The Raven of Leningrad, which is, <laughs> oh God, it's so good, guys. <laughs> Have you ever read this? <laughs> you totally read this. That's such a fancy name for something that like, I'm assuming is mostly smut. It was a fancy fucking story, I gotta say. <laughs> like, <laughs> Dusk and Clevia, despite being at its core, like, people just like, oh, just please, oh no, it's gonna be great. It's like a hella classy <laughs> novel. <laughs> <laughs> there was very strong sexuality as an undercurrent in the whole thing and ono as a result was like the perfect artist for it because you do really classy work that is just so fucking sexy and uh so when we said hey ono we're doing this erotic short you want to do a picture you <laughs> turn it around immediately and you're like how about this and i was like well this is about a thousand times better than i was expecting 
<laughs> That's really sweet of you. The story was incredible. I read that story like 12 times and I don't often get a chance to read original erotic fic. My yeah. limited experience is with um, fan fiction, of course, like mm. browsing a little bit of that on AO3. But, oh my gosh, Emily Compton just blew me away with her um, erotic fiction. <laughs> and not to say that I was surprised because I didn't think you were capable, but I was like, okay, this is a small project with a short timeline. You're like, boom. <laughs> I was like, wow. Oh. <laughs> we unlocked something. This is amazing. Look what we get. <laughs> oh my gosh. I That, okay. I mean, not to be too, um, like, out in the space here, but that is, like, my bread and butter. <laughs> so I was even joking with Hamlet. I was telling Hamlet this one went quicker than usual projects because um, it's sort of like fish and water. <laughs> I love doing erotic art. <laughs> oh, yeah. Men in suits tearing each other out of them. It's, it's great. There was... Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Especially suits. That's kind of Ono's specialty. That's like a fine tradition of gay porn. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's even for the straights, you know? Like, I, there's kind of this joke yeah. about, like, men who roll up their sleeves a quarter of the way to mid-forearm being, like, one of the sexiest yes. things oh they God. can do. <laughs> the noises that came out of you go, yes, that's the thing that men have to do. <laughs> that's always oh the thing God. where, like, whenever men see that, they're like, I don't get it. And ladies are just like, oh, shit, yes. <laughs> His sleeves are not all the way rolled up, but partly rolled up. Oh, yeah. Especially if it's in, like, a, uh, you know... A formal wear or something, and he's got like the jacket slung over his shoulder. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I don't think I don't think straight men understand like the the suit is parallel to lingerie. I remember yeah. having to explain to like an ex boyfriend at one point. I was like, "So how you feel about lingerie is how I feel about suits." <laughs> um, I think a lot of women are like sort of on par for that, but who knows? Maybe I'm projecting. No, no, I no, think it's I think actually really right common. Yeah. Yeah. As long as the suit is like done properly and fits appropriately, mm. right? Like I feel like a lot of people, oh, yeah. I mean, myself included, nothing I have really probably fits me the way it should. But like <laughs> when a man has gotten it tailored properly mm-hmm. and you're just like, yes, excellent. Just stand there and look pretty. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> I think that's partially why so many women keep going to see the Kingsman movies, which are really, mm-hmm. they're really made for men. Um, but they they have elements like that that I think you know it, it's they're they're definitely not feminist they're they're fairly sexist mm-hmm. not not the worst purveyors <laughs> but certainly far from yeah. being good <laughs> um, but they're just it's like Colin Colin Firth in a suit kicking the shit out of people you're like how do women not go to see that I mean. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it's like <laughs> you go to a bunch of girls. They're like, okay, like we have to go to the supermarket. We have to go to the dry cleaning. Then we have to go see Colin Firth in a suit beating people up. <laughs> mm-hmm, I agree. There's there's a Tumblr post about the first Kingsman movie that I think like really summarized it well for me because like I don't like the Kingsman movies, but like I want to. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. someone pointed out that it's a male female writing team who writes those. Mm. And in the original script, you know, there's that scene where I forget Colin. Oh, uh, Harry. So like where Harry has Eggsy in the suit shop and he's like standing behind him in front of the mirror. Mm. And he says something and Eggsy like bites his lip. Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) The Tumblr post about that is like the dude being like, yeah, Harry says this. Eggsy looks nervous. And then like the lady writer being like, Eggsy bites his lip. And the male writer being like, good to show she's. To show he's nervous and she's like <laughs> oh my god yeah 
<laughs> totally. Oh my gosh. And what's interesting is I do think that, um, you know, that this kind of ties into what the Sparkler podcast is generally about and what, you know, by extension this one is, which is erotica and the female gaze, um, G-A-Z-E. Uh, that's what we always mm -hmm. talk about. And one of the very first podcasts we did was Love and Sex and the Female Gaze. And it ended up being like one of our most popular uh, episodes. And this was like episode four or something, which is why we wanted to revisit this topic, but specifically talk about erotica. Because there is kind mm -hmm. of a tradition of these things, right? There, there are things that when, you know, as we just displayed here, when we say it, we're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> You're like, that, that, that's right, you know. Um, and it, it doesn't mm -hmm. even necessarily uh, like it, it kind of sometimes codes across queer and straight lines for women. Not always, obviously, but there is less of a kind of erotica tradition for women than there is for men, arguably in the West, just because, you know, porn has generally mm -hmm. been marketed towards men. So there's a little bit more variety there. But largely because of things like romance novels, uh, there has been evolution there and kind of a shared quiet understanding of stuff that appeals to women um and some of it is i think you know it's hard to say what's nature versus nurture but there's definitely stuff that we get you know like it's stuff that's for us and, and it's interesting that you say that some of these male screenwriters and stuff are, are writing this stuff and the, maybe the women a woman is leaning over his shoulder and adding the bite the lip part you know? <laughs> but i think they're also it's interesting that some guys really do get it um it's not super frequent because i do think that it's this weird kind of silent not quite silent but it's like this understanding that women who share a lot of fiction together sometimes get <laughs> because they've been exposed to it and in the way that men really do not write read romance novels but almost every woman mm -hmm. has read at least one like even if they don't like them if only when they were young because they wanted to read about sex yeah yeah so um occasionally you see a guy who gets it you're like mm, you're welcome in the club sir come here <laughs> <laughs> anyone can kind of can kind of do it you know if, if they get it but it's it's definitely harder when you haven't been really exposed to that stuff your whole life so um i do want to talk a little bit about when you decide to create erotica so do either of you emily from sort of the fandom slash original prose side and ono from the art side do, do either of you want to jump into this first sorry what do you specifically want to know like when you want to write something that's like smutty, whether or not it's just something specifically that's uh, a smut scene or usually, as in the tradition, it's part of a broader thing, you know, like there's a narrative in there and stuff. For me, generally. Yeah, generally, when, when you create erotica. So for me, when I write something, typically I have to go in order that it happens in the book. Like I can't write a scene later and then work up to it. So usually it's I've reached a certain point in the story and then I'm like, oh, there has to be porn here. Like this, this is where it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. The one time that I would say, or I guess two times that I haven't done that, I was like, I'm going to write specifically something that is just a lot of porn. Mm -hmm. And my goal there was like, I was like, first, we're going to do this kink. Then we're going to do this kink. And I was just mm -hmm. like, I have a list and here's how it's going to go. <laughs> so organized. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> this is a complicated project. Mm, you needed a spreadsheet. Well, we did have like an intense. So it was, um, this is, oh, how do I explain this? In the terrible world of Teen Wolf, <laughs> there are a lot of like behind the scenes things that you get to find out have happened. And one of the things that is very popular is actor Dylan O'Brien, who plays Styles, often says things that can be very easily taken out of context. Right. And there's like a famous gif of him. And I'm not sure if he actually said this or if someone just subtitled it because it looked really appropriate. But he was he made like just a filthy comment about it sounded like he was talking about like 
taking two or three dudes at once. Like, that's what it sounded like. (laughs) And we were all like, obviously, this is the AU where everyone works in porn. Um, (laughs) Yeah, obviously. And I found, like, two other authors who were like, I'll take a chapter or two of that and we'll write, like, several different short porns that they filmed with a thread going through where, like, he falls in love with the cameraman. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. So the comments we always get on this are like, this was filthy, but also strangely romantic. (laughs) Oh, that's cute. That's the best kind of porn, I think. Yeah. Yeah, So obviously, super classy. We just called it like five days of dickings. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That is uh, romantic. (laughs) Super romantic. I like, though, that you bring up that even though it was like written by different people and it's like short porn stories... And it's like your closest thing to a plot, what plot idea. You still had that thread of narrative, between, you know, through them uh, about the overarching relationship. And I think that's one of the things that ties together so much of this stuff written for for uh, women. That it's like there's context there. And that's what I've always felt is one of the integral parts of female gaze smut is the context. And like it doesn't even necessarily need to be a lot of context, but it's not like gonzo porn or something. Where it's just, you know, there, or maybe point of view stuff. I mean, they do that now um, for women. Like, Japan will do these, mm-hmm. like, point of view erotica stuff. Pretty sure I've talked about them on other podcasts, but the situation drama CDs where somebody's talking directly to you, and sometimes they fuck you. Like, there are CDs like that now. But even those have context. Like, it's not every track. It's, it's like, the first track is you bump into in the train. The second track is, like, you realize he's your boss at your new job. The third track is you going out for tea in the... You know, et cetera, et cetera. And then, then you bone. <laughs> yeah, well, track six and eight are boning. So, <laughs> so it's like six is boning, seven is like, hey, can I see you again? Blah, blah, whatever. And then eight is boning again. <laughs> like the next yeah. time you meet. Yeah. So. It's but- <laughs> the kind of thing where, like, in female porn, you wouldn't typically see the, like, oh, it's just a dude delivering pizza. And, like, I guess I'll pay him with sex because it's like, there's no context there. You're missing. Where's the tension, right? Yeah, yeah. Tension mm-hmm. is a big mm-hmm. one, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas right. in male porn, they're just like, the important thing is that he puts it in. You're like, no, that's not the important thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice to have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the frosting on the rest of the cake. But you got to bake it first. So. <laughs> exactly. <the> <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, no, uh, I agree. And I, I think it... It doesn't, you don't need a lot, but you do need something there. And what you were saying about the, you know, tying the, those porn stories together with, you know, a romantic story that, that, or, you know, he's falling in love with the cameraman. That's just enough tension to kind of make it work. You know, that there's a little bit of uncertainty. There's a little bit of, you know, there's that draw, that kind of engaging, oh, what's going to happen next? Is he going to be able to communicate this to him? That sounds incredibly yeah. awkward as well, <laughs> falling in love with the guy who's yeah. filming you. Like yeah. Dudes, well, we like mm-hmm. to. So we wrote in several things where it's kind of like in porn, you have these very specific scenarios. So the porn he is filming is very male gaze, but the story is female gaze. You ah. have like the frame narrative is female gaze, but the content is maybe male. Mm. And it's the idea of like the cameraman maybe misinterpreting and being like, oh, like believing some of the male gaze stuff and the guy having to be like, no, like. I'm a real person. I just, this is my job. I also do porn. Like mm, yeah. trying to <laughs> communicate around the fact that he's filming him doing incredibly filthy things. Yeah. Aw. Yeah. 
Actually, before we move to uh, Ono on this, because I do, I do want to hear your process. How do you feel like this, like, so we've been talking a lot about dudes. How do you feel like this translates into the context of women being sold to the female gaze for, like, queer women or, you know, just anybody who wants to read a love story about, or rather, erotica. We're really talking about porn here. Because um, there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of porn erotica for, for men that focuses on women, obviously. Uh, and that includes mm-hmm. erotica of women with other women for men. Mm-hmm. So how do you guys feel like that? What's kind of the, the we've already talked about these cliches about for the boys. What would you feel like is, a, is something that they've been capturing for women in, in the modern female gay smut, I should say? Mm-hmm. There's less of it for sure, which is a bummer. Uh, I think it is. Yeah, yeah it, it's definitely growing, I think. Um, and I mm-hmm. think that in the same way that a lot of queer girls kind of clung to boys' love because it was sort of the only queer fiction they could get. <laughs> like, that's kind yeah. of marketed to female gays. I do think that a lot of queer girls who wanted to read about women were just reading the male gaze stuff because there's like, well, there's girls in it and they're naked, but... Yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, MK, do you want to take this one first, or...? I would say for me, like, if we're talking about, like, maybe femme slash, mm-hmm. because that's specifically targeted at women and it's about women right there I need way more context and tension mm-hmm. than I do with the gay stuff and I think that's what the gay male stuff mm-hmm. I think that's probably just because we have so few female characters or well-developed female characters in things mm. that I need them to add extra background to them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I want like much more like a drawn out romance and then eventually they bone but, like, mm-hmm. I need it to be, like, just in general much more romantic than if it's two dudes, it can be the cameraman. Like, that's fine. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's actually I, – I, I don't think that's uncommon either. I, I've seen that with girls. Like, I work, you know, in manga on the side, and we I've been working a lot more with specifically Yuri manga that's written both for men and for women. And uh, the stuff that seems to actually be really appealing to queer girls right now – we saw this also at Sparkler – was the really, really, really sweet romantic stuff. Things like Before You Go, uh, things were like, the. There, there's definitely context there, but also just like the girls are nice to each other, they respect each other, they're comfortable in each other's space, they, mm-hmm. you know, they, they get shy in cute ways, just like this like very pure stuff, which is, I would say, I mean, not to say that it's exclu- exclusively this, but this seems to be really hot right now. And I think part of it might mm-hmm. be a response, kind of as, as MK was saying, that like we want to see something different from how we've seen women marketed to men, and we want to see girls who are actually relatable, you know, like women who women could imagine are real as opposed to like the sexy lampshade test, you know, like, or what is it, sexy yeah. lamp? Could this woman be replaced with a sexy lamp in this movie? Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's also like, I just want to be able, I feel like a lot of people want to be able to be like, oh, this could happen like if I was going to fall in love with a lady this is maybe how I would want it to happen mm-hmm. right like it's mm-hmm. it's even if it's in a fantasy world it is the relationship is realistic or believable see I'm wondering if that means that that type appeals a lot to straight women then you know what I mean if it's like what do you think I have noticed that um slash tends to be like a little bit sweeter especially coming from female fandom mm-hmm. but that might be for queer women particularly it might be like a neater self-insert and you mm-hmm. like don't want to have a hate man if it's like a self-insert yeah or something rather than like male slash might be something more for like well i mean for me in my case because i can't speak for everybody but for me i like men visually so it's kind of nicer to read like fraught complicated kind of sloppy like 
<laughs> aggressive relationships and then they like go have the sex but there's like a hate man in between <laughs> i do tend to have like sweeter women stuff in mind but i actually really like hate mans for both <laughs> so i might depart from like the majority of people here i'm like give me like some fucking messed up lesbians <laughs> well you know I, I, like, you say that there, there's a good chance that's going to come into into popularity. I think that partially because the fem slash is all—it's uh, not that it hasn't existed for a long time; it's existed kind of forever. But mm-hmm. it's definitely underdeveloped compared to uh, mm-hmm. you know sort mm-hmm. of the boy boy slash uh, for women and, and queer women. A lot of queer mm-hmm. women still really like boys' love, not just because they're like I need any sort of representation. I think that a lot of women want to read about fraught relationships, but it's sometimes really tough to see it on the body of a, a woman um, because we mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. live kind of in an environment where we're constantly sort of told to be afraid mm. of our bodily health. Yeah, so like, and I think as a result, I think that's partially why boys' love got super brutal. And, and in many ways, there are these brutal offshoots because mm-hmm. I think that for a lot of women, it's cathartic. They want to read about difficult things. Maybe they... And, but they don't want it on a body of a woman because that makes it too uncomfortable. I think in some ways, Ooh. when they get mad at men, they kind of want to see men beating each other up. Like, I, I think there are a lot of reasons why women use boys' love. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's different for every woman. And I think it's different for different circumstances. But mm-hmm. I can see why hate mance between women might be a little too close for home for a lot of women for it to be as common and boys love but that might change as it evolves mm-hmm. as a oh totally and one of the reasons it's hard for me to find um female erotica that i like is because i find that when straight guys try to do like female hate mans or like they make it really grimdark sometimes like male mm-hmm. gay stuff is a little grimdark and mm-hmm. it's totally off putting to me so i think for me there's like a razor's edge where i'm like i still really like a fraught relationship i like the sort of like grim and gritty but not not in a way that like turns me off and i can't say what that um delineation would be mm, that's fair <laughs> but the line is thinner for the squick yeah, yeah for me anyway interesting okay ono why don't you tell us what goes through your head when you're like okay it's time for me to write some smut <laughs> um well i think it might actually be sort of the the opposite path that mk takes where mk said they start from the beginning and they sort of grow from there and then they feel like now it is time to add the slash. For me, it might be the opposite because I think in a very visual way. And so for me, I have a moment and I'm like, I like the dynamic of that moment and I like the heat of this moment or something in a sexual context. And and I want to find a way to get there. And then the story kind of builds itself around this idea that I'm attached to. Mm. So I would say... Um, like my kink is sort of uh, the the like little nugget that the story grows around and then everything else is just like that was the part that I was into and the rest of it is sort of like building up and adding the tension and mm. um, yeah, the things like that. So I would say I start with like little granules and then sort of like build from there. <laughs> mm. Well, I guess it does make sense for you as an artist, but you're kind of building an aesthetic from like a point of the the end aesthetic that you want to hit. But yeah, that's that's interesting. You're you you post a lot of these um I mean, I know you have those two OCs that you yeah. use for a lot of stuff that <laughs> the characters in Cross the Lake. Can you tell us a little bit about those guys cuz they they seem to be your muses. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I reuse them a lot. And I think that's one of the reasons that um 
I think it ties into the way that I write stories is that I get attached to characters sort of visually or maybe tonally where I'm like, I like this character dynamic. I like these two characters having this dynamic together. And so it just so happens that I end up reusing them in a lot of AUs. Cross the Lee is one of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I if I had all the time in the world, I'd love to, like, write all of the AUs. But there's just a ton of them. There's, like, a couple that I flirted with uh, for, like, a couple of years. And there's a bunch I'd like to get to. But, yeah, I find that I reuse them a lot for the aesthetic and for the, um, the dynamic I, I like a lot. So they're sort of, like not self-inserts, but they're like, this is what I want, this is my kink, and I just, like, put them in the, in the story <laughs> where I'm like, I want, like, a fucking kinky vampire thing to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so then one of them will be a vampire. Are they exclusively, in, in, like, because Across the Lead was an, a historical story. Like, it looked like it was maybe, what, early 1900s or something? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, Are they always in that uh, time context? Do you use them, like, throughout space and time? I am, like, super married to historical fiction. I love historical fiction. Mm. Uh, in fact, I think most of my stories are historical fiction, stories that I'd like to write. I don't really have too much, um, like, tangible to offer right now. But um, most of the stories that I think about writing are all historical um, in some way. So they're not tied to a certain time period, but they it just so happens that that's what I like. So there they are. <laughs> so what was it like working on Starfighter, which is in the future? Um, I actually love Mecca, and luckily I didn't have to. <laughs> I know. I Historical Mecca. Oh, yeah. I, steampunk's not really for me, although I think <laughs> it could have um, something to offer there. But I, I like sort of boxy Mecca, like retro Mecca. Not exactly steampunk. But luckily for me, I didn't have to design any of that. That was all to the Hamlet's creative devices. Ham, Hamlet machine, by the way, for uh, any audience members that might not know. And she's great at sci-fi. Oh, so, so good. Um, so I left all that up to her and then just like drew her characters that I love. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. How did you work on that game? Like what, what components were you working on? Um, so I, I did the, in the game, it's an erotic, uh, it's a visual novel video game. So it's sort of like choose your own porny ending mm. kind of a thing. Yeah. Starfighter um, Eclipse. We've definitely talked about it before. <laughs> you guys should all play it. It's awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, for that one, I did uh, the line art and flat coloring on the illustrations. So there's a, wow. illustrations that you collect throughout the story where it's sort of like the money shot of like a sex scene or something. <laughs> so I worked on the illustrations for these money shot illustrations <laughs> where, oh um, <laughs> where it's sort of like if there's a big group of people having sex, like that's sort of like the key moment in that, in that like path that you choose. Uh, and there's, I think it was close to 80. I could be wrong, but um, I think it was close to 80. Uh, so I did the line art and flat colors. So Hamlet would send me a sketch. And because she's Hamlet, it was like practically done for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then <laughs> I would clean up the line art and then add the flats and then um, send it back to Hamlet. And she would shade it and color it and things like that. So that was my role. So they brought you in for the porny bits. That's amazing. That's it. That was it. No backgrounds, nothing like that. I just fucking drew people fucking. So, <laughs> so you are really living the dream. That is my bread and butter. Like, I'm happy as a clam if I get to draw like a bunch of people just fucking embrace. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it's funny you say that um, Hamlet hands you things finished. She did... A piece for us way back in year one. Um, she did a guest cover for Sparkler for a week. And we have these two boys that have this sort of fraught 
relationship and one of them to kind of a quiet moment um or it's like they were embraced and one of, or it's like one of them is scars and i was like the other guy kissing him you know kiss, kissing the scars i think was the the directive <laughs> we're like hey why would you do this and it was a really tight deadline and she was like um okay how about this and sent us a sketch we're like that is 100 percent exactly what we wanted in like four pencil lines yes please <laughs> <laughs> yeah she has a uh she makes things so clean and then yeah. She's like, go, oh, don't look at it, it's rough. And it's like, this is like cleaner than my finished stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting because I think that the two of you, your styles are quite different, but I think they're really compatible too. So the fact that you can work together on projects is just like, it's great. Because I know you guys are, you know, very close in real life. So <laughs> like, it's so <laughs> nice when you can collaborate on people that you like love and respect. And the fact that you guys just can do this awesome game and you can be like hey hamlet i'll i'll help you with the porny bits and it's just that's that's beautiful right <laughs> yeah that was super fun to work on her style is great <laughs> i have a- nothing further to add it <laughs> <laughs> must have been a big project too that was a big game so much art in it really good yeah it was for as small a staff as i had i thought it was like really ambitious but yeah. everybody sort of what is it tighten their belts buckles or what i don't know <laughs> everybody <laughs> kind of knuckled down <laughs> yeah i don't know what grease. I'm <laughs> yeah no i know what you mean they they got their heads down and got the, the work done excuse the pun but you know <laughs> we can just Wonderful. make sex puns through this whole podcast that was kind of the goal going in <laughs> uh, <laughs> can i just tell you that a thing they say in australia is like head down ass up and that oh means working hard. Oh my god! Are you kidding me? No, I. People say it all the time on MasterChef Australia, and I was like, "Why are you all so filthy?" <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's fun. Amazing. Uh, so I guess at this point, I want to ask a little bit too. Um, what are your like influences? Like, who do you read out there who you feel really, really speaks to you? And I know this is going to be probably a personal question. Everybody's going to vary on this a lot, but. Um, like whose porn do you really like reading that you, that you find enjoyable, fulfilling, just whatever, just, it speaks to you. Like, do you have recommendations for people? Either of you, MK, I guess it's your turn. Okay. So there are two genres I'm going to say of porn. (laughs) One is mostly feelings like, or a mix of porn and feelings like they've given you the setup. And the other is like, did you want the following very specific kink? Here it is with no context. Mm, Okay. Mm -hmm. I agree. So if it's. (laughs) Like the no context, just these kinks, then there are like specific, very anonymous fandom specific porn blogs. So it'll be like, I only write like based on crazy prompts for the following fandoms. A lot of those have shut down right now because everyone is transitioning between fandoms, but mm. they're good. But if I want like the feelings up front and then like just like find the enjoyable porn, mm-hmm. honestly, 20 something just like nails this. It feels so natural. And they can, like, laugh with each other and they can, like, struggle is the wrong word, but, like, argue in bed. And it's just, like, I don't know exactly what I'm looking for a lot of the time. 20-something, the writer, she does fandom, right? She's been on your podcast a bunch of times. Yeah, she's a good friend of mine and just, like, a super talented writer. Yeah. Does she go um, 20-something, like, written out, right? All one word? Yeah, sorry, like, T-W-E, whatever, something, Mm -hmm. one word. Uh, And if you just look up, like, 20-something DILF... AO3, that'll come up real fast for you. And that story is remarkably not that porny. Dilf, yeah. Oh. Like Dream Daddy. That's her big, that's like her most popular story. Yeah. 
that that's you know it's funny because dream daddy really tapped into this uh in a way that i sort of didn't mm-hmm. expect to take off as much as it did but right now um pretty big kind of general pornography trends for our fandom women right now are uh daddies and monsters <laughs> yeah <laughs> Those are the two directions we've gone in. Yeah, and it, it, I don't, I don't know how long. And it's funny because, like, you know, vampires as a monster, like, there's a huge tradition there, right? Of like a vampire bite is like sort of phallic. It's penetration. It's sustaining for sex. You know, blah 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 blah. Mm. But I'm talking like <laughs> that 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 uh, shark prince beast from like uh, the Zelda Breath of the Wild. Yeah, the seen Zora Prince. The Zora Prince. What was it? Sidon mm-hmm. or something? I think so. Yeah, the, yeah, he's... yeah. I know it was because there was some puns about his name that was like sit on, more like <laughs> sit on my dick. Uh, yeah, yeah. And for anybody who has not played this Zelda Breath of the Wild, this is not even kind of humanoid. This guy, <laughs> he looks like a hammerhead shark on two legs. He's red, like. He's got a bit of human anatomy. Like, he's got, like, abs. <laughs> but he and, also like, has, like, a giant fish tail. Yeah, he's, like, like, seven feet tall. I mean, he. I mean, okay, he's vaguely humanoid, <laughs> right? But he's a monster, for sure. This is not some, like, hey, this boy has kitty ears. No, 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 this is, like, the whole shebang. And like, my, for a while, my Twitter feed, like, I couldn't even look at it when anybody else was in my house. Because it was just, like... <laughs> Him trying to have sex with Link, who's like half his size. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? What happened? And everybody was so everybody was so happy. They're like, yay, look, it's this guy. And oh. uh, here's the thing. That game encompasses like almost, I don't know, like, did they do this on purpose or was it an accident? Like the full spectrum of male and female gaze of sexuality. Yeah, but, did they? Like, oh, nice. So they have the fish prints that like everybody wants to bone. For some There's reason. a side quest because the Zora, like the fish people, live for a really long time. Mm-hmm. There's like a young Zora girl. She looks like a child who is like looking for her soulmate and oh. basically marries like an adult man. But he will die or something. Anyways, it doesn't matter. There's the like super buff Gerudo lady who I'm in love with. <laughs> like, and then if you want like the more like a delicate type, there's like the Zora princess who died who's like just the full spectrum is included in there, and it's super weird. Wow, interesting. <laughs> well, they're big teams on those games, and and Zelda's always been pretty good about towing that line between male gaze and female gaze. Mm-hmm. I think the fact mm-hmm. that like Link could never speak, and Zelda was the one who was, you know, he was always trying to save her, but she was the one that was kind of holding Hyrule together and did all the talking for him. I mean, it was kind of an interesting mm-hmm. dynamic to begin with, where there was this weird power oh, yeah. balance and stuff that you didn't see. As much of, especially in old video games, where it's like, yeah, rescue the princess, mm-hmm. but Zelda always had a little bit more of a femme dynamic to it. Um, isn't there a part oh, yeah. also where Link dresses like a woman to get... I was just going to say, yeah, yeah. yeah. He dresses as a lady, and you also have, like, so you get, like, a lady costume, but you also have, he has, like, this, like, lady ninja costume that is my favorite outfit for him of all time. Wow. Oh, he's got a sweet little bun. Yeah, in that not really not like buns, like sweet, butt buns, like hairstyle, sweet little. <laughs> yeah, he's wearing like a cute bun hairstyle and like a purple cat suit, and he like that makes him stealthier. Wow, <laughs> that's amazing! Uh, it's fantastic. Some, something for I remember like Zelda was probably like one of the earliest memories I can have of of like engaging in erotica. Oh, interesting. But it was it had everything that I wanted when it was like back in the day too, because. 
Princess Zelda is there, and she, of course, had the larger speaking role and stuff like that. But she also has an alter ego called Sheik, who's yes. like yes, super ripped, and who pretends to be male, or you think he's male, he uses male pronouns, things like that. And so for me, I always sort of interpreted it as a um, like body change or something. And so mm-hmm. for somebody who's attracted to all body types and like all genders, um, that was great. I was like, Zelda and Link have it all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she can be like this really masculine, like ripped, uh, like mystery man. And she can be this like beautiful, delicate princess. And then later she's like an amalgam of both. And um, Link is referred to as a fairy boy all the time. And he wears like <laughs> pantyhose and earrings, mm-hmm. you know, but he's like super masculine in other ways. So I don't know. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like no. a really yeah. interesting Discuss, like you could do a whole episode just about like gender politics in Zelda. Yeah, it's astounding. Oh, yeah. yeah, you're not wrong. And also the some of the stuff about aging and to uh, I remember like uh, what was it Ocarina of Time when uh, when that came out when like you know this is less of a sexual thing although it you know it ties into kind of talking about genders and bodies and identities and stuff. The fact that you could switch ages in that I thought was super interesting. You'd play part of the game as a kid, and then part of the game was when you were, like, clearly a young adult. Um, and I always... You know how, like, when you put the controller down on games, sometimes the little... The avatar will just stand there for a while and occasionally do, like, a little gesture, which is, like, they just mm-hmm. add into the game because it's uh-huh. cute. I really liked uh-huh. that in... Like, when in, in that game, when you were, like, little Link, I think you, you kind of, like, fixed your belt or something when you were, like, standing still. But I swear, when you were an adult, one of the things that he did is he, like, fixes his belt and, like, glances at his ass... To like make sure, yes, yes, you remember. You guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Yes, and he's like, make sure his like little fanny's looking good. Yeah, like, and it's and you definitely don't do that when you're a kid, but you can tell that he's like almost. I don't want to say like self conscious, self conscious, but he's just like checking out. Okay, like my skirt's not riding up too high, and also the fact that when he he's the same (laughs) outfit, uh, unless he wants it to be, or it's just the right length, let's say. And when he's a kid and he's an adult, he's wearing the the same outfit, but when he's an adult, it has tights under it (laughs) because it's an awful short kind of tunic. Um, and I remember and adult, he's like, I don't need those. Yeah. And like, I was like maybe f- 14 when that game came out. And I remember that being, I, I was kind of surprised at that because most video games mm-hmm. other than like maybe bouncing tits didn't have anything kind mm-hmm. of like that, you know, that was sort of a body image thing with like a, especially with like a boy. And I think that's so hilarious that you guys knew exactly what I was talking about because I didn't know if I was overreading it. <laughs> no, not at all. No. I thought that was cute. I always thought he had, um, he wasn't like hyper masculine in his body language. Mm, uh, yeah, for he sure. always seemed to have like a really good, uh, sort of androgynous appeal to him. And one of them is, yeah, like the way that he would like yawn or something or like, like tap his little boots on the ground or something. Mm-hmm. He had cute body language. <laughs> yeah. And I think that in a lot of ways, he was supposed to be a bit of a stand-in for Peter Pan, but like a definitely a less obnoxious version because he had like the little fairy with him. So there's like this girl who's like, hey, listen, you know, like on his shoulder all the time. But in the in every way that Peter Pan is like a fucking brat, <laughs> like uh, yeah. Link, who looks a lot like him, although like more elfin is just kind of like the chill Peter Pan a little bit. Like sometimes I'm a little kid, sometimes I'm a bigger kid, but whatever, yeah. I'm going to save. I will silently save the world. Yeah. Right. And he seems to read a lot sweeter than some of the other, like, mm. male heroes that were coming out in the 80s. Mm. Oh, know. yeah, for or sure. Or not 80s. I guess it would have been earlier or later, a little later, like early 90s. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even at the very beginning, uh, he was – oh, actually, this reminds me. So one of the very first advertisements for Zelda, 
I don't remember where I read this mm-hmm. article, but there was a, a a commercial in Japan where they had like Link dancing. Did you guys see this? It was like a big group dance with a bunch of monsters or something. Or I don't I don't remember. I feel like I have somehow missed this entirely, and now I'm upset. Oh, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I don't well, know, but I want to see the Link. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the thing. The Link was a woman in drag in that commercial, and apparently it wasn't. Mm. I guess it wasn't like I can't remember if people. It, knew that at the time or whatever because he's kind of androgynous right but it was like one of these <laughs> fundamental commercials where they had like a live action link doing stuff and it was a woman dressed like link like kind of a boyish looking woman you know she wasn't um it was definitely kind of an androgynous character but i remember reading an mm-hmm. analysis of that a while ago saying that this was kind of from it in the same way again peter pan is often played by uh, a mm-hmm. woman so yeah like I, I think that this goes pretty early back to the the visualizations of who they wanted Link to be, and now, God, Breath of the Wild is sounding really thirsty. <laughs> it's I like, just assumed we're thirsty. Yeah, I didn't. I just assumed that like you know my tweet deck is like full of a bunch of raging perverts, and I love them very much. No, but no, no, okay. that's built into the game. <laughs> I think perverts have like a keener like sense for it. They've got a good nose for um, sort of like sexy tropes. Mm. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the excuse I tell myself when I read too far into something. <laughs> but, you're yeah. like, I'm just more sensitive to this because I'm really familiar with the source work. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, but the thing is. I, I think you're right, because I do think that when these things launch, everybody knows immediately what everybody else is talking about. Because they'll be like, oh. hey, that shark man in uh, Link, am I right? Am I right? <laughs> or I should say in Zelda, although that was a delicious pun that I didn't intend. And apparently, there was somebody who had a really great tweet about it, where they were like, hey, this new Zelda comes out, and you can do this with the controls, and we think it's a really good adventure. It's like all of female fandom. Can I fuck the shark man? <laughs> 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 you should just have a picture of a uh, Prince Sidon or whatever and then just capture it like the shape of water 2018. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did not expect us to segue into Zelda, but now that you mention it, it's that's great. <laughs> like, <laughs> seeing the because I haven't played many Zeldas, um, I'm terrible at them, so they're, they're just demoralizing for me. But um, now I really want to play Breath of the Wild and see all of this. Uh, stuff I about think you would really like sex. Breath of the Wild. You should give it a shot. Yeah, everybody says it's like <laughs> one of the best ones in a very long time. Um, I think it's one of the best video games I've ever played, period. Mm, wow, that's great. I've heard that from multiple people. Not to like advertise it or whatever. I'm not sponsored by Breath of the Wild. No, <laughs> by Breath of the Wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not sponsored, but nobody wants Sparkler to support anything out there. like the, I don't know what those crazy girls are going to say about my product on their podcast but it will be lined with the word fuck so maybe not the, uh, the branding that was always yeah. people are like are you going to get a sponsor for Slash Report and I was like I don't think that's appropriate <laughs> you know it's funny but like uh, some people sex toy companies have started sort of sponsoring um, it's sort of like women's blogs like I think of like Ojoy sex toy mm. and like Jezebel and stuff like it seems that um, a lot of sex toy companies because I think they primarily sell to women or at least they, they yeah. probably are primarily marketing to women because I think if men want to buy the sex toys they kind of go um, whereas women I think maybe sometimes you have to reach B and they're like no you want to come here and buy this as opposed to it being mm. like I feel like it's this is a gross generalization about men so I'm really sorry but uh, as someone who used to work at cons and run the boys love table and stuff and see sort of the people who came and buy it boys have a porn budget <laughs> 
<laughs> like, yeah. Oh, yeah, they show up and they're like, okay, it's time for porn. And they're like, this one, this one, this one, and this one. Uh, and I'm like, hey, do you want the rundown? They're like, nope, here's $100. And they leave. But the women who would come to buy it, they'd be like, well, can you know, which one do you like? Uh, you know, I, I'm kind of into this stuff. What do you think? Can you tell me a story? They read the back. They flip through. They're like, eh, maybe not this one. Like, the boys just, they had the money to spend. They found something that immediately sparked their eye, and they dropped a lot of money on it. So um, yeah. I think sex toy companies, I, I don't know who their clientele primarily is, but I do think they probably are trying more. They're probably trying more to reach women. And as a result, I've seen them jump in with uh, blogs that are talking about female sexuality. So I wouldn't be that surprised if <laughs> they Maybe they would, like, we might evolve to the point where, you know, a sex toy company would sponsor something like Slash Report or, you know, they're like, hey, after you go buy this vibrator, I guess, when you go look up all these wrecks, you know, it's like. Now that you've said it, it makes perfect sense. And all I can think of is, like, Ame always tells me, like, true friendship is when your friend lets you know that Lilo is having a sale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you re when you breach that level of friendship with a friend where you're she's like by the way you're like oh okay. <laughs> it's a normal conversation between friends <laughs> well True. there was and i feel like this might have come up on the slash report podcast it, it, it's, i don't remember who said this but the people who read your fanfic uh know more about your sexuality than your intimate partner <laughs> yeah Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it was a joke, but um, and this leads into something that I talked to you guys about before we started the podcast, which is personal kinks and fetishes in erotica. And there are some creators who are very bad at hiding what their fetish is in a context where clearly it was not supposed to come out. Um, I'm thinking of like Hiro Mashima. Uh, who does rave mm -hmm. and fairy tale and how he really likes girls who are tied up. And it's like, you know, if you were doing porn about that, that would be one thing. But like, <laughs> got to take it out of your teen adventure series, dude. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Like Wonder Woman and <laughs> yeah. her weakness is like getting tied up. I'm like, oh, OK. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, there's there, you know, that movie came out about the guy who made Wonder Woman um, and his polyamorous. Oh, yeah. Actually, the creation of Wonder Woman and the kinks therein, which are not entirely mm -hmm. just fetishistic. Some of them are actually kind of about... <laughs> female empowerment uh in an interesting way oh uh, yeah yeah but no i know what you mean <laughs> you're like oh there was clearly layers to, here. i don't mean to denigrate it oh yeah I, I i don't mean to denigrate it i mean i think being tied up is a perfectly good king <laughs> 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 so, not to not to snub it at all no but you're right that's a, a very good example of like oh <laughs> i see <laughs> I see. <laughs> now, how do you guys kind of? Oh, you don't have to get too personal here or anything, but like, how do you guys feel about that? Because I know that if you, you know, if you're trying to fulfill a certain kink and that's the point of it, then obviously, you know, pursue that kink for the piece of fiction that you're working on. But do you ever worry about like working on the same, you know, like if you keep working on the same themes, um, are you worried about revealing too much about yourself and your fiction about? With, with things like this? Like, how do you feel about that? Okay. So for me, this is kind of interesting because I am mostly asexual. So when I'm writing smut, it's like, what do I like reading? But it is mm. like, not something I want done to me <laughs> or to do to someone else. I'm like, yeah. no, no, not for me. But for you two, fantastic. <laughs> um, and uh, Sorry, I just imagined I, you typing being like, hmm, something that I never want done to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like you two great me no <laughs> I'll just sit over here and watch like a weirdo <laughs> um, <laughs> guess I'm into voyeurism I guess who knows 
because it's like not for me, uh, a lot of the time I'm like, which kink suits the point of the story that I'm mm. at right now? And okay, so I wrote a very boutique pairing that like nobody has ever read and nobody else has written because I'm the only person who cares. <laughs> uh, inside Hockey RPF. Oh boy. And I wrote this, yeah, I wrote this story called Slow Whistle. And I would write it like while we were at hockey games during intermission and stuff. And my friend Emma <laughs> oh would like, I would just be like, what do you think if this happens? And she'd be like, yeah. And we got to a point where it was like the third period of the game and I had been writing and she was like, you're still writing, but the game is happening. And I was like, yeah, but I've reached a point where they have to have sex again. And just trust me, I need to write some plot relevant rimming. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like it's very important, like their character development. And she was like, uh-huh, sure. And it wound up being like 2000 words of basically just rimming. And she wow. will never let me live it down. <laughs> She's like, yeah, sure, plot relevant. And I'm like, yes, it is, I swear. Did he find a plot point deep in his asshole that he had to somehow get out with his mouth? <laughs> I'm trying to think of the context for this. It's very complicated emotionally. All right. Oh, that sounds fun. Uh, oh, no, what's your take on this? Um, On showing, okay, in regards to, like, letting it all hang out, I would say I'm pretty pretty open about what I like. Let me, let me think. Oh, okay. I, I think I have two different kinds of kinks that I'm interested in. One of them would be sort of like a tonal narrative thing that I find that I'm often attached to. I don't know if that can rightly be labeled a kink so much as a preference, but I find myself drawn to the opposites attract thing, even though Mm. I don't operate my relationships that way in real life. (laughs) I like people that I have a lot in common with. Yeah, Yeah, so in in stories, I really like opposites attract. I like sort of tension, like negative tension becoming like sexual tension. I do have one kink, though, that doesn't factor into my stories very often, just because it doesn't seem like something that I can write around, like ideas don't come to me Mm. for it. (laughs) But I really like size difference, not just size difference, like height difference. I do that on the side, but like... Um, like tiny, tiny, like mini con, I guess is what you might call it. I don't oh, know. Oh, you mean like tiny people, like six inch tall, okay, yeah. like super tiny. <laughs> oh, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, where I was like, I've been seeing a lot of quality tiny people porn on my dash, and for like, and it wasn't it wasn't through you. It was just it. it I think it was during Attack on Titan that there was oh. like stuff because they're already in those weird little harnesses and they'd just be like the Titan would just kind of dangle them and like lick them or something. And I was like, the <laughs> fuck is this? But it was like really well drawn. And I was like, well, you yeah. know, I can respect like that's really funny because I actually think I think that fantasy kinks are super interesting from like a, a creative standpoint for sure. Tell me more about this. This is hilarious. I mean, oh, and, okay. and just charming. <laughs> Absolutely, no problem, because I very rarely get a chance to talk about it. <laughs> it's like I don't chance. include it in my art often, but I'm not exactly shy about it. Um, and it's not something that like a partner of mine would be able to provide. <laughs> they can't shrink down. Um, so it's just fun to talk about, I think. What is it? Uh, so I, the thing that kept me from SNK, although I did draw a little SNK fan art of that same vein, is just that the monsters themselves were really funky looking, so it like kind of turned me off. But mm. there's other stuff that I've read where it's like fairies or, you know. And I don't, I wouldn't say I like it more than just like two regular sized people having sex. Um, it's just something that I do enjoy that I don't see too much of. So I'm like, mm. is that a kink? I think that's a kink. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I'd seen um, 
I'd seen trends of that in like, oh God, I don't know if you guys ever read the Laurel K. Hamilton books, which are not good, but hilarious. Uh, she writes, I think Anita Blake, the Vampire Hunter series was like her most famous one, but she did this really not well-written uh, series about like a, it was like a fairy private investigator in Los Angeles or something. And it's just, it's like, it's a, a fantasy erotica. And she basically has sex with like all these fantasy creatures. And one of them was like a little six inch guy. Um, and she also had sex with like a tree and like a selkie and like, you know, all, all these things. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was, that, that was the first time that I had heard of it. And I was like, how does that even like kind of work? And then of course, Attack on Titan came up and I was like, you know, this is kind of interesting. Like, um, I, I like when people... Because porn gets so repetitive, right? Like, there's only kind of so many ways that people have sex in real life. And like, yeah. and I think this is why the context is important. But it also, there are times you're like, you know, people want something new. And I know that a lot of the time in, um, unfortunately, in sort of like porn for men, they just try to do things that are like more extreme. They get more violent. They get more, you know, uncomfortable. Not, not exclusively, but there's definitely that kind of escalation of the taboo. Yeah. But- and this this is true with male gay stuff as well, especially when you're talking about sort of like uh, in male fandom and, and, and fantasy novels and, and manga and stuff. Uh, they're really into monster girls and stuff, too. You know, like they're into kind of this weird, mm-hmm. you know, like if you guys ever watched hentai, like the shit there is like mm-hmm. out of their minds, you know, like and I always mm-hmm. I don't really like hentai, uh, but I do respect it. <laughs> from kind of like a creative <laughs> point of view that sometimes I'm like, who the hell thought this up? But like, you know, they followed through and they somehow had sex. And I, I think that female fandom has done that too. I mean, we we're just talking about how everybody wanted to fuck the shark man for some reason that I think <laughs> that people kind of, it's something different, which I think people find sexy. It's mm-hmm. interesting. It's 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 easier to have kind of a conversation around it because you're like, let's discuss this hilarious thing that clearly has no effect on either of our lives. And, and I think that's that's part of it too, that- I think it's very easy to share a kink like that with people without thinking it's mm. going to reflect on who you are or what you want. Because you can't have sex with a shark prince that's seven mm. feet tall. Like, no one's going to say, oh, mm. she, you know, does this mean that she's into this thing that doesn't exist? Like, who cares? That doesn't have any ramifications as opposed to being mm. mm-hmm. kind of, you know, sometimes they don't want to be outed as queer. They don't want to be outed as as into, you know, problematic stuff or – um just mm-hmm. they, some people just really don't want that part of themselves to be shown if people think they can start assuming things about your real life or or your your oh, real sure. partners or stuff. So I think that there's that kind of shared sense of openness weirdly because it's like kind of despite it being sort of like a an odd thing that you maybe wouldn't bring up around your mom around like your <laughs> fandom it's kind of like oh let's all just co- share in this collective fantasy about something very different. Mhm. It's it's funny. I, I always thought that one. The little people thing struck me. I don't know. I always thought that was kind of fun. Just okay. the logistics, you know? Like, it's <laughs> just dang- <laughs> I keep thinking of those titans dangling the little people in their harnesses. And I was like, why? But okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't know why. It's just sort of fun. I think a lot of it, um, because there is not a penetrative aspect, I think a lot of it mm-hmm. is just oral. And... Uh, that's something I'm into, like, art-wise. So I'm like, this is always fun for the whole family. <laughs> you know? And who doesn't um, mm. like that? So I think that's where that resides. And that's sort of, like, the exclusive domain of, like, tiny people. <laughs> you know, there was a boy's love I read a long time ago. I might have mentioned on the podcast a long time ago as well. It's called Love Plus Alpha, I think, in English. And it was it's out of, it's out of print. Um, it was one of the... 
801 Media that DMP put out. But it was a love triangle between two, a, a guy who can see ghosts, a ghost who's in love with him, and mm-hmm. a living exorcist who has a crush on the living guy. And, um, mm-hmm. like, the plot was just not there, right? But, like, the way that she, uh-huh. uh, this creator integrated sex in this was so creative. Like, I, I still really love this book because it was like the ghost could take over... It was like every chapter was a new way that she could kind of have a sexual... Like, he, he couldn't touch him when he was a ghost. Uh-huh. And this exorcist guy kept being like, I'm going to exercise you because I'm in love with this guy. And the, the guy who was alive was like, don't exercise him or I'll I'll hate you forever. So they were stuck in this weird... And the, the ghost had a crush on him and he, the living guy had a crush back on the ghost. They were in this really weird situation where they all kind of wanted to bone each other and also were all kind of mad at each other. And <laughs> Sorry, I don't sound great. <laughs> yeah, well, because I mean, the, the exorcist at one point said, well, I can let him... I can let the ghost possess my body and you can have sex with me. So he'll have sex with oh. you and I'll have sex with you. And then... At one point, it was like the ghost could enter the guy's dreams, so they could have sex in his dreams. Oh, fun. The ghost at one point could possess part of your body, so he would possess just the guy's, his own hand, and have him touching himself with his own hand, but, you know. Oh, fun. Yeah, right? Like, I was like. I love that shit. Yes. So, it was a great little, it was a one-shot manga called Love Plus Alpha, Mm -hmm. and it's still kind of one of my favorite examples of, like, great fantasy sex. Like, I never (sighs) knew what was Mm going to happen next. And the plot was just not there, but it was kind of like, how are they going to bone today? Like, the ghost doesn't oh, have I a love that. That's the best plot. Yeah, kind mm-hmm. of. So, and then, you know, there were some feelings in there, but it, this one was really pretty low on anything outside of how can we make this work? Um, you know, there's longing in there, right? So, like, the, the actual emotional tension was more in the premise than in the execution. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, there was a small plot. I'm, I'm I don't sure. want to sell it totally short. It wasn't totally plot one plot, but it was co- close. <laughs> oh, no worries. Yeah. I, I love that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Schematic. I've also seen, and this intrigued me when I saw it, I think it was um, fanfic, actually, is a possession of, like, somebody's genitals. So where it wasn't <laughs> the person operating with their hand, but it was somebody, like, per- possessing the other person's genitals and being, like, <laughs> giving them some good feelings in that region. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, so that was really cool, and it was sort of like um, like a psychic hand job or something like that, or I don't know, psychic fucking. Um, that was there super was fun. a manga like that. Mm-hmm. There was a manga where like people's genitals just switched bodies, but also could talk oh, and say things. Oh god, that one. That sounds a little off the rails. Yes, <laughs> no, yeah, I know exactly. What, it's called like uh, Chubutsu or like. Yeah, no, like oh Chinsubu or something. I, I think the translation was actually like the talking penises. And it was by this uh, pretty well-known uh, mangaka. Uh, I can't think of her name right now, but she did like cigarette kisses and uh, a couple things. But yeah, it, th- this was something I think she did as a doujinshi and for some reason really took off. But yeah, they would like switch penises and the penises were sentient. They had these little like chibi faces on them. Oh they were God. always like mad or happy or like, yeah. like the penises almost like you were like that penis has an erection. But you're like, but the penis is the erection. Yeah. Wow. Like there was a That's weird. Meta. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's a, a, a classic standard uh, boys love called, well, and for, for some reason in English it's called Mr. Mistress. 
And it used to be a de title, and I think it got picked up by Sublime, actually. You can buy it digitally, but that's just about a guy being uh, visited by a succubus who's like, hey, I, or uh, an incubus, sorry, the male version. And he's like, hey, I get power when you orgasm. How are we going to do this? And it was another one of these, like, <laughs> can I go into your dreams? Can I turn into, uh, you know, can I turn into something? He, there's a tentacle monster at some point. Uh, there was a part where he, the kid... I don't want to say the kid. He was like a you know a high schooler or something like eighteen. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. And he yeah. was like the 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 incubus was like, I want you to go down with me. He's like, I'm not going to put your demon dick in my mouth. And he's like, just trust me, you'll like it. And it was like if he if he oh. if he gave the demon a blowjob, he would feel it on his own penis at the same time. Oh, fun! <laughs> so oh, was, that's so fun. I love I that. Love that shit. <laughs> Yeah, you guys just okay. You guys just reacted that to the way that like somebody bringing a puppy to a party. You're like, oh, that's so (laughs) nice. Oh, oh. (laughs) like a lovely take on a blowjob, Leanne. What's the big deal? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It it was kind of charming, and um, you know, there's a love story there a little bit, but it's mostly just this kid (laughs) getting his mind blown by all these like really weird things happening to him. So, Mr. Mistress is another good one. Yeah. Oh, that's super fun. I love the schematic, like, creative. <laughs> this is one of the things that I love about, like, drawn porn or fan fiction, mm-hmm. uh, whereas live-action porn doesn't do it for me, uh, yeah. really. Um, I would say creativity probably plays a really big role in that. Um, just hopping back to the size kink thing, <laughs> um, mm. there was one that sort of solidified in my mind when I was, like, in high school, uh, reading this, it was a tiny like fairy. He was like a s- spring spirit or something like that, like an entity that was like the harbinger of spring. And he's like a really tiny little fairy, and um, like a human guy sort of fondles him with like a wet paintbrush on his like groin. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, because he couldn't like touch him because he's too tiny. So he used yeah. the paintbrush, and I was like, that is creative. And also, paintbrushes are like really soft and they nice are. on your face. So I was like, how oh, nice. <laughs> nice for him <laughs> yeah these things are weirdly charming right that you're like oh especially since so much of them are built around kind of like pleasuring somebody you know a lot, a lot of the fantasy uh you know like an incubus is an example or whatever these are fantasies about trying to make it work despite having some big logistical thing to get over oh i love that yeah mm-hmm. which is it's it's kind of nice and uh you know like uh, it, i mean there, there are plenty of them that are like you know monsters raping people so i don't want to say that the, the this realm of fantasy sex is exclusively non-violent but it's true that a lot right. of the the examples i can think of that i i really liked were like they, they were sweet kind of um it's yeah. just like yeah. let's go into some weird mental garden with this like and and see what we can come up with <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's been about an hour so we can uh, close up soon do you guys have anything else that you sort of want to add you were saying something about um inspirations mm, yeah yeah so i just wanted to name drop a few real quick just so i didn't like oh take sorry i might have skipped you on that by all means go ahead not at all not at all i just want to like blather about people that i love yeah <laughs> um the first one would be hamlet machine of course mm. i have uh her like porn is like fucking my idol i love that yeah, it's it does everything shit, yeah <laughs> The other big one that was sort of like a game changer for me was also encountered in high school. That was um, Jirayu with two U's. Jirayu Dokoro. Uh, she's amazing. I love her stuff. She did one called Sugar Milk. That may not be for everyone. I think there's like there's like an underage kiss in one of them. There's no like 
underage sex or anything like that. This but is like that, a manga, right? Like or a comic? Yeah, this is a manga. Yeah. Um, and I read it when I was like pretty young. And so mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, being young myself, I didn't like have too much of an issue with that. I don't mm-hmm. know if it would age for me now if with like a clear mind I went back and read it. Mm, but um, it may not be for everyone, putting that out there. <laughs> and then the other one was another lady named uh, Kaneyoya Sachiko. Uh, mm. And I just bought her art book, which is like a huge tome of like 300 pages. And she does like a lot of like tearful, like tied up, sad puppy dog boy looks. <laughs> <laughs> it's really cute. But um, those are the three recommendations that are like sort of jumping into my head. You know, you mentioned Hamlet. <clears throat> Didn't she do, she did like some art book a while ago and it was like mm-hmm. it was like boys having sex with monsters and stuff wasn't it sort of an occult book oh yeah yeah she's done a couple of occult books one of them was occult illustration and that was an anthology anthology excuse me and then the other one was a small zine called uh i believe it's devil's dance and that mm-hmm. one is about a witch who summons a demon and together the witch and the demon and the knight all sort of fuck <laughs> and i love that one <laughs> love those characters <laughs> Neat. Uh, that sounds great. Do you have anyone else you want to add? I'm like drawing a blank, I think, just because I'm on the spot. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, we can add people, you know, Rex later, and especially when we, we post this on social media and stuff, like feel free to continue this conversation on Twitter. Because um, I think a mm. lot of people, I personally like, there aren't that many particular creators I keep going back to. Um, there are not many creators who I feel strike gold consistently for me in terms of like really well-written erotica because I think that if a creator keeps doing the same type of pairing over and over I get bored and if they do a bunch of different Mm -hmm. pairings some of them I just don't really don't appeal to me either because I don't think they pulled it off well or you know because I some some of my favorite boys love it's like well there's this okay I might as well tell people this um there is this Mm -hmm. lovely little comic published by once again 801 it's a like a pretty hardcore boys love title and the english title is hey class president and this it is such a delight this comic i i think i might have even brought it up like maybe on slash report because i feel like i've talked about it before but not that many people have read it even though there's a little ova about it and it's just a boy on the judo team gets recruited to be the vice president of the student council because the president of the student council I don't know. He seems to like kind of attract creeps. And I think uh, the, the vice president fell in love with him and got weird and they kicked him out. And he's like, hey, will you be around this boy, even though he's irresistible to men? It was some really dumb premise. <laughs> but it's just about this guy on the judo team who like kind of falls in love for his dorky uh, school class president. And the judo team like immediately finds out and they all think it's a combination of like they kind of joke with the boys a lot. Like they're like making implications that they know these boys are kind of involved. But it's also not super mm. mean. And... There's, like, a person going around who had groped him, like, in his sleep in his house. Something really creepy. And they end up all kind of teaming together to find out who did this. So there's – it's a very consensual story. And anybody who reads Boys Love knows that, unfortunately, that's Mm. kind of rare. But there Mm. is a very strong distinction between good grope and bad grope in this. Oh, nice. And it definitely kind of addresses both sides. And and you can see how both sides are kind of used for titillation value. It's not like totally innocent or anything. But that's kind of what Mm -hmm. makes it, in a lot of ways, that's why I like it. I I like how it's just, it's not too mean. It's not too nice. It's it's very sweet, but it's like almost, it's got an edge of darkness there. I feel like (laughs) plot-wise... Like, there's really not much, and every other volume is kind of complete nonsense. I don't know how really to describe it, but, you know, the different boys in the judo team are all kind of falling in love with other boys, but they they all have a little bit of, 
there's t- more tension there. There's like, you know, one boy who's mm-hmm. kind of aggressive and violent, but it was clearly part of kind of like a psychotic break. And he's like trying to redeem himself through the whole story. And one kid who really didn't think he was gay, kind of having feelings about another guy and not really knowing how to deal with it. And, you know, it's just all these tropes that are not uncommon, but I just really like the way that the characters interact in that comic. And the sex scenes mm-hmm. are so long, but it's really based on, it's like, it's not like a lot of penetrative stuff. I mean, there is, but it's kind of more mm. focused on just kind of like boys making out in like a bathroom stall and all this stuff that's kind of like mm. like heady high school fantasies with that dark edge. And it just, I really like it. It's one of the few couples in all of boys love that when I see them in a, you know, that I like I ship them. I want them to be happy as opposed to just, you know, mm. I enjoy watching their antics like The Tyrant Falls in Love, which is one of my favorite comics, but like they should not be together. <laughs> like I fully acknowledge that. <laughs> But that's more of a sadomasochistic romp. But but Hey Class mm-hmm. President is just this like weird gem of a title. And it did pretty well in Japan. And the mangaka's assistant on it is her little brother. <laughs> oh, ow. <that's- laughs> and, yeah. And so she writes his little comics about them in the back where, you know, it got turned into a bunch of drama CDs. It got turned into an anime. And like, it's always like, so it got turned into an anime. And it's a picture of her brother. And he's like, how could you do this to these men? These professional men. They're going to have to write the stuff that you drew and I put the zipper tone on all the nipples. Like, you should be ashamed. <laughs> like, we should both be ashamed. Let's go apologize to them. And it's just like, clearly she and her brother are just kind of having a blast. But then the minute real life comes in, they're like, oh, shit, no, no. Did we publish this? Ah, I was just joking. <laughs> so That's yeah. funny. Yeah, so the author bonuses are just great. And they actually did a little anthology book in Japan where it was like other artists doing short stories about it because I guess it's kind of popular in Japan. It's just this weird Kaori Mo- uh, Monchi, I think is the name of the creator, but Hey Class President is... No, it's not her only one in English. She has another one, I think, called Wagamama Kitchen. That's another one that I like that I, I can kind of recommend in fairly good conscience as opposed to something like Maiden Rose, which... It's a wonderful boy's love, but like, don't maybe don't read it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe my recommendations should go with that because, like, a lot of them when when I was younger, and so like my taste had changed a little bit. I don't know how well they age, so proceed with caution. Yeah, well, you know the yeah. big the big boy's love right now in Japan and here is Ten Count. I don't know if you guys read Ten Count. I think it's fucking excellent. It, it's definitely not for kids. Uh, I mean, besides the fact that it's really thirsty, but. It's about a guy and his uh, volu- a guy with a, ger- a su- severe germophobia and his uh, volunteer therapist, who's like an actual psychologist, um, who's like, yeah, I'll, ther- I'll, I'll give you therapy on the weekends. And it gets unbelievably, you know, crosses borders and stuff. And it, it's kind of builds around sort of a one of these stories that's about sadomasochism kind of trying to Ooh. get over your issues by... Mm-hmm layering on them and kind of making you face them oh yeah so it's it's quite dark but not as dark as it really could be it's more psychologically complicated i I really like it and also the art is fantastic like i think there's a reason why Mm -hmm. both in japan and here it's like a bestseller like i I do actually recommend 10 count unless you're squicky about that kind of a thing because clearly he's going over tons of borders but it's kind of an eyes wide open series (laughs) where he's like you should probably tell me to leave I, I will leave the minute you tell me to leave, you know, because this is bad. And he's just like, I'm waiting for you to tell me to leave. You know, like, it, it's kind of stuff like that. So it's not, it doesn't feel nearly as exploitative as it sort of could. 
Mm. I'm I'm fine with stuff that I wouldn't necessarily be fine with in real life, honestly, in fiction. Oh, uh, yeah. Although I guess like I've got my limits as well. But yeah, everybody's I'm squeak is give different. It a try. That sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, I I mean we're caught up to Japan. I think it's like like five volumes, but that and um, Twittering Birds Never Fly, another really great series. But that one is actually super dark. It's like got Yakuza stuff in it, so it's actually quite violent. I really like it. It's by Yoneda Ko, who's like a fucking genius. Okay, I will say Yoneda Ko. I, I pretty consistently like everything that she does. So she's one of the uh, boys love Magica that I, her stuff is really effed up though most of the time. So just be be, be warned, <laughs> and especially twittering birds. <laughs> I was trying to remember, and probably like the manga artist who did Yaoi that I really that was probably the most formative for me. This is a little out of date, but uh, Naonobora. Oh yeah, yeah. So I loved her art. Her art was beautiful, but also she had. I think two of my favorite stories that she did. One was about this guy who I guess had been struck by lightning. And whenever he touched people, he released like an electric charge and he was really nervous and he didn't want to touch anyone because he was like, people don't like that. It makes them uncomfortable. So I guess I'll just oh. never touch anyone. <laughs> and obviously this dude is in love with him and is like, no, I'm, I'm into it. Let's do this. And the other is about a detective who, if he touches someone, he can read their mind. So he has like this psychic ability and he's always wearing gloves and like long sleeves and like a jacket trying to stay covered up. And his assistant is like desperately in love with him. And it's just like, please touch me and read my mind, please. <laughs> Aww. Yeah. Aww. That's good. Yeah. I mean, this is obvious for anybody who reads Cherry Bomb, but like the, the, that's kind of the direction that a lot of the Tokyo Demon Smut we've been doing has gone because one of them is a, he's a, I'm trying to see if I can do this without spoilers, but there's definitely psychic powers involved. Some people that can feel through empathy, through touch, or can read your mind, or can enter your dreams, or can, you know, or, and people do want to be touched, people who don't want to be touched, blah, blah, blah. There's all kinds of stuff around that. So in the same way that I said that I really like creative fantasy sex, we, we've definitely hit that realm in Tokyo Demons and some of these, like, I really like these thought mm -hmm. exper ex experiments where it's like, how can you have a sexual relationship with somebody when you can't touch and they can read your mind and <laughs> like, like yeah yeah or you know and, and <laughs> poor mk we forced her to do a bit of a love scene in tokyo demons it was a much more traditional <laughs> one but uh she had to go through that that was a good recording day Aww. she had an audience she's like oh son of a bitch why do you do this to me? <laughs> i was like recording this so that's okay and then they were like and all of your friends are going to watch you do it and it was like yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> oh. <laughs> You were forged in the fire of the hot seat, you know? Now you can do anything, right? Start on hard mode, and then you can do any Mario Kart level. Yep. Yep. <laughs> any more to uh, recommend, guys? Or? I think that's it for now. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you'll think of more things. And, and I, I'm hoping this conversation, we can potentially pick it up on Twitter, because I think uh, I'd really be curious what people, you know, mm -hmm. comments that people have to say about things like, yeah, I love Monster Sex. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, you know, and again, like, it's selling to boys, too. As somebody who works in the manga industry, monster girls are hot uh, to, with men right now. So if this is not kind of an exclusive thing to one gender, mm -hmm. um, and it's definitely mm -hmm. big right now. Uh, I'm not sure how long it will kind of last, but we'll see. I mean, in the same way that vampires have kind of gone in and out of fashion, but never really disappeared for the last... Oh, uh, one was Dracula written 100 years ago. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, there's a little bit of uh, more recently... Dr. Frankenstein slash? I don't know if you guys have seen this. <laughs> what? Yeah. So, well, you know, Dr. Frankenstein and Frankenstein, mm -hmm. there was, I think that actually the theme of YaoiCon this year might have sort of been that, or they were like the, the you know, the, the pinup boys or something. 
But actually, maybe like a year ago, Pascal Lepa, uh, Lepa I'm, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right, the lady who writes the really excellent webcomic Wildlife, she has Wildlife, W-I-L-D-E, it's a Hiveworks comic, it is so fucking good, I really like it, highly recommended, and she does kind of like, she also has like a not safe for work blog on the side, which is just under her Patreon, mm-hmm. and it's so great, and that has a ghost in it too, it's about a guy who uh, moves into a, a like a haunted ghost town, and there's like werewolves, and, and there's this lady from the 40s who's a ghost in his house and I think there's a lot of porn you know ghost porn again which is like great right because like how are you gonna make it work um but for some reason she got into this like here I'm gonna slash the handsome Dr. Frankenstein and his handsome monster and it like exploded and she kept going with it and it was just she did all this amazing art for it and it's like I feel like we're in the exact right climate for that kind of thing right now perfect timing yeah yeah you're right. I think that could work well because isn't the main theme of, or not the theme, but like the kickoff for Frankenstein is he's like, I want to create the perfect man. <laughs> like, yeah. it's a little bit like, what's that one called? The movie oh, came it's out like in the weird 80s, science. So called- yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, it's like weird science. And Rocky Horror Picture Show. I mean, like, the idea of, of building somebody sexy, you know, especially since I was under the impression Dr. Frankenstein is quite lonely. <laughs> Yeah, he did drop out of medical school. <laughs> oh, are you sure he dropped out, or was he like he might violently have been ejected for being? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're like, you are too weird. Get out of here. <laughs> you are yeah. not welcome in medical school, Doctor Frankenstein. Isn't he like loosely based on Lord Byron? So it's just to be like, Lord Byron's <laughs> a fuck up, and so is Doctor Frankenstein. Gee, I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so many possibilities. Well, you know, thank you so much, guys. Uh, you were as charming as I expected. Thanks for having us on. This was super fun. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I think we might do more porn stuff in the future uh, as well, just because I think there's a lot to discuss here. You don't say. Yeah. I mean, in terms of not just trends and, you know, I do think that a lot of girls now are being raised on the internet, so they have access to a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think about, because all of us are you know, a little bit older. And this stuff just there, you did not have any access to it when you're when you were young. So I think that the <laughs> I'd be very curious what kind of young millennials will have to add to this conversation when they were raised on the internet, where they had access to all of the kinky fan fiction and not oh my just, gosh. yeah, whatever, <laughs> Clan of the Cave Bear, which apparently taught an entire generation of American <laughs> girls about sex. No, it's like a phenomenon. So I know, right? Like it's like Neanderthal rape is like how a lot of little girls oh. learn about sex. So yeah, explains a lot about our culture. Oh, yeah, God. yeah. But I learned know. it from Princess Zelda turning into a dude. Yeah, boning there you go. <laughs> and accidentally couple- reading like Weird Sailor Moon Smut and Gundam Wing. Oh yeah, Gundam Wing. Which actually reminds me, so another recommendation, if people out there are not reading, um, I know I'm going to pronounce it wrong, Aviale by Lucid, which um, is a webcomic about a boy who one day sparts wings, it is basically custom designed, everywhere from the art to the stories to the, the dialogue, to the market of girls who learned about sex from Gundam Wing. <laughs> like, if that was your experience, you will love the shit out of this comic. I mean, I think more people will than just that because it's a great comic, but um, she does excellent porn. She does, like, doujinshi on the side for, like, uh, she did some Uran Ice doujinshi. She did um, mm-hmm. Voltron doujinshi. She does all kinds of things. She is amazing. 
And uh, her comic mm-hmm. is just is great. So I think anybody who's like, hey, I want some smart recommendations within the female gaze, like look that one up for sure. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay. Thank you for joining us, everyone. We will be back next month. I'm not sure what the topic will be yet, but uh, thank you so much for joining us, Odo and MK. You were great. Thank you. Thank you for having us. <laughs> oh, it's such a pleasure to have such great guests. I hope you guys become buddies after this because <laughs> I feel like you, you would have a lot to talk about and a lot to... <laughs> <laughs> Bond over. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to like swap websites and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs>